It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Hello, everybody, and happy Thursday, and welcome to another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. My name is John Schmelk, joined today by former Giants punter Jeff Fiegels and Lance Meadow from his ivory tower, taking your calls at 201-939-4513. And free agency week is next week. You couldn't tell by all the news that's coming down this week. It has been busy. Trade week. Yeah. You had Lance and Paul on yesterday. They uh, they did a lot of the Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers stuff. So we don't have to touch on that. But if you want, you can. But uh, certainly another piece of quarterback news came down yesterday involving the Giants division. Carson Wentz on the move from the Colts going to the Washington Commanders. Thank you. For <laughs> a pair of third-round picks. A swap of second-round picks. It's just five spots. It's not mm-hmm. a big deal. But a seventh-round pick moves in that trade as well. For a player, to, to be quite frank, if you talk to people that cover the Colts, might have just been outright released in mm-hmm. the couple days or a week. I mean, that was legitimately a possibility. And the biggest deal is that the commanders took on Carson Wentz's entire salary, which wow. is $28 million, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. So uh, a Really heavy price to pay for a quarterback with a monster salary cap hit that the team that just had him wasn't all that interested in keeping him, to be quite honest with you. So uh, I think if you're the Colts, obviously you still come out behind based on what you gave up for to get Carson Wentz there. And you got to get a quarterback. But And you have to get a quarterback now. But you certainly at least make up some of what you gave up from getting those uh, two threes from Washington, one this year, one next year, and what's a pretty deep draft. Yeah, I mean, you look at that. You look at that team offensively. You have a running game. You have a great offensive line. So whoever the quarterback is going to be for the Colts is going to be pretty happy. Um, Man, and and then, come, oh, by the way, their defense. And they have a couple good receivers too. Yeah. yeah. So I think you know, and it's a matter. But you know, with with what happened yesterday and what happened today, this goes to show you something that we all knew about, and that's that this draft quarterback wise is just not that good. I was actually going to go there, Jeff. Great point. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's just that's just the way it is. So. Um, and maybe then maybe it's not done yet. Maybe there's going to be some more movements to wherever else. Although most of the guys that we've all talked about, those three of one has been the hot topic of, of the trade discussions. But, um, you know, you never know in this, in this landscape of the NFL, things could happen. Well, Washington could always draft a quarterback to your point, Jeff, yeah. and have that as a competition or at least insurance. They do have Taylor Heineke. So I think they at least protect themselves because sure. Carson Wentz has injury history, right? right There's no right, guarantee right. he's going to survive a season. So I think they feel good that they have somebody with some experience well, yeah. behind him in Taylor Heineke. But as far as your point about the amount of money that Washington is taking on with Carson Wentz and his inconsistent performance, I think says a lot about not just the draft, but I think it also says a lot about the free agent market yep. at the quarterback position. Hey, look, we've been talking about it, Lance. This offseason, it's it's kind of barren if you want to try to get a quarterback. There's just not a lot out there. And look yeah. what the look what the what look what they did today, Landon Collins. That, here it goes. They're gonna have to pay all this money to Carson Wentz, and now they're gonna find some of it. Boy, I'm shocked that Landon Collins' contract didn't work out and stay in the books a long time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Shocking. Well, I mean, it's just the start of, you know, not only the Giants looking for money, there's all kinds of other teams that are looking for money, too. And, you know, the, the first thing you do is you go to your big guys where all the money's at and goodbye. Um, so and by the way, that contract that he got was, you know, pretty big when he signed over there. So yeah, it was six years over 80 million dollars. And he winds up playing there just three seasons. He also was plagued by injuries, guys. Yeah. So I think that's another reason why Washington at least can move on. Plus, they had, I believe they had about $33 million in cap space prior to the Wentz trade. Oh, did so, they have that much? Yeah, wow, so okay. he took up the $28 million of that 33 which only left him with about five. That's why, obviously, they need to make some more transactions to free up some room. So you can understand you're parting ways with Landon Collins, who spent the last two seasons finishing the year on IR. He had the torn Achilles two years ago, and then he had a foot injury late last year. So I think Washington's at the point, do we want to have that amount of money bottled up in a guy where there's no guarantee he's going to stay on the field? So I think that was probably the biggest ammunition. And then getting Wentz's contract on top of that just gave them all they needed to pretty much go their separate ways. Yeah, and Lance, to your point, maybe they really like Malik Willis. But they like, look, Malik Willis isn't going to be ready to play for at least a year. 
So they mm-hmm. think mm-hmm. that Wentz can at least give them a chance to win and be a stopgap. So we don't know what Washington still have that eleventh pick, right? Yeah, they have the eleventh yeah. pick, yeah. and remember the Broncos too. They had the ninth pick. Right, that was the ninth pick I think Denver had. Right, something I don't like that. Know. I, I well, believe. they gave it to Seattle. Right, though, right. Well, they the had, trade. but that's my yeah. point. Mm-hmm. They had the ninth pick, and they looked at what quarterbacks could be there, and they're like, "Nope, we'll trade four picks for a veteran with three players, and we'll go that route." Thank well, you very much. Once and again, I would do that in a heartbeat. I would too. Uh, Paul and I talked about this the other day, that, and I, I had mentioned that that first round, that first ten picks. This is, you know, these quarterbacks, they sneak in there somehow. And even though this is a down year, I still think that there's going to be a quarterback or two that sneaks up into the, the top 10. I don't. I don't. I, I do. <sighs> I do. You think I the do. Panthers are taking one? No. I think that. I think. See, that, I I see, to I me, think the, Detroit is taking one of them. Oh, you're crazy. I've seen that in mock drafts. I think that, and this is. There's a, a talking point. I, I mean, it's that. Please don't and, take offense. And, no, but no, I think that's, that's but let me finish. Really what I was say, trying to say is I think that there will be a quarterback that moves up into there. Right. And then that's going to push one or two players down to the Giants at five. Yeah, I do not. Okay. Well, that doesn't mean you're right. No, I know. It doesn't mean that you're right. I'm just saying we disagree. <laughs> and that's okay. Lance, to me, would you like to chime in on this? Here's the thing. The Lions, and, and, and I will make my case very quickly. Okay. The Lions have Jared Goff on the contract, right? Mm-hmm. The Lions are probably... Who's awful, by the way. Well, he's not. He's not awful. He's a low end starter. Okay. He's. A, I mean, he's not. He, he's not Jake Fromm. Well, no, not many. I mean, there's a lot of Jake Fromms out there. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like Jared Goff got to an NFC Championship game. Okay. And he got to a Super Bowl, right? Mm-hmm. He's a low end starter. Okay. He's fine. I'll give you that. But he's he's under contract, right? And no matter what the Lions are going to do this year, they're not going to be a good football team. Like they're just not going to be a is. good football team. Their roster is not there yet. They said it's going to be a slow rebuild there. They're not going to go you know, uh, spend like drunken sales in free agency. So what the Lions are going to do, again, this is just my opinion. Sure. If I was running the Lions, what I would do. You look at, all right, here's what this year's quarterback class looks like. All right, here's what next year's quarterback class looks like. Which class do next I year. like better as a Lions fan? Next or as, year, as, I mean, as the Lions GM? I'm going to say I like next year's class. And I'm going to say, all right, I know that I'm not going to be good next year. Now, do I know I'm going to have a top three pick? No. Who knows? Maybe I squeeze out four or five wins and I'm picking sixth or seventh or whatever. But you're still going to be within striking distance of trying to go up and get one of those quarterbacks that you like better. And trust me, they've done all the work on even the underclassmen at quarterback that you like better than the class this year. So I'm not going to force it this year to pick a project with either a project in Malik Willis or someone with a limited ceiling with the second pick in the draft when I can just go back and try again next year. And that's why, if I'm the Lions, I don't even consider for a second selecting a quarterback with the second pick. I get it. I get it. Although you could be, you really could like him and let him sit a year behind. You better really like him. But that's what I'm saying. If you really like him. Like to the, me, you can almost trade up. If you really want a quarterback and you're the Lions, go trade back into the first round. Yeah. Later in well, the round. Well, they could do that too. Yeah, exactly. What do you think, Lance? Yeah, they could get somebody later in the round. Well, I look at the Lions. They've done actually a really good job with their offensive line over the last few years. They've developed some of those guys. So it's not crazy to say, hey, you give Goff protection. That offense could be productive this year. So I don't really think that's their main issue. I think their bigger issue is the defensive side of the ball. And I think the Lions have a great opportunity to get one of the top edge rushers. Or if they want to add another guy in the offensive line, I'm all for that too. There's always room to protect yourself, especially since they've had a few guys banged up. But I don't think the Lions are necessarily saying to themselves that they're a quarterback away right now as it stands Mm -hmm. from all of a sudden making some big inroads within that division. That'd be more of a reason why I would think they would address somewhere in the trenches. I think if there's any team, Jeff, to get back to your point, Mm -hmm. that could go after a quarterback within the top 10, maybe Carolina mm-hmm. sandwiched in between the Giants. That's the team that I could see perhaps given the fact that Darnold hasn't necessarily worked out. Maybe they go after Jimmy Garoppolo or somebody else. Do Who knows about one the of the young guys? Watson. Yeah, right, so right. you know, maybe they well, no go Friday. for that, but Some that wouldn't things. impact the Giants' first of the two picks because they have to make their selection first at number five. So maybe Carolina helps out the Giants with that sandwich in between at number six. Outside of that... Even Seattle, that got Drew Locke back in the trade and maybe pursues Deshaun Watson. I don't think that's crazy. I could see Seattle doing that. Pete Carroll's a guy that takes some chances and risks. So I would, once again, i put Carolina atop of all the teams with the highest percentage to go after a quarterback. Yeah, look, we have to see what happens with Deshaun Watson and the legal stuff on Friday. Mm-hmm. And there's no guarantee everything gets 
cleared up Friday either. Oh, I wouldn't way. expect it to Correct. be settled by Friday. I'd Agreed. be surprised, actually, if that happens. You, you might have some clarity on the criminal charges well, side of things, yeah. Yeah. which that is kind of, you know, how you get put on the uh, on the commissioner reserve list, whether or not there's criminal charges or not. Without criminal charges, you can't get put on the commissioner reserve list. That's how that works. Oh, interesting. So um, you need to figure out exactly how that's going to work. Right. Um, well, more clarity. But again, I don't know how quickly that's going to go. But clearly, that's now the last big well, it's the biggest quarterback domino. Lance mentioned Garoppolo. I think it's a that's, big one. I, I, I think that's the other kind of trade quarterback domino that's left. And there's still a decent amount of teams that need quarterbacks. So we'll have to see what happens. Let me just bring up one other quarterback thing with you guys, too, uh, before we go uh, and get to the calls at 201-939-4513. We're opening them up, guys. Give us a call. We'll get you on hold. We'll talk about it. Um, I know there's a lot of talk about backup quarterbacks and stuff like that, and I actually did a fun huddle this morning. With uh, Chris Bizignano, he does the Giants Insider newspaper and podcast and that sort of stuff. He's great with a good talk. And kind of the point I got to with it is I'm going to take player names and all that out of the mix. If you're going to, if your goal is to bring in a really good backup that can compete for a starting spot, right? That's going to cost you seven or eight million dollars, at least. Mm -hmm. Maybe more. Probably more. Would I rather use that money on a guy that, in your best case scenario, is never going to play a snap this year? Or do I want to use that money on an offensive lineman to help Daniel Jones? That, to me, is the end-of-the-line question that you have to ask yourself. Where is that money better spent? Whoever you bring in to compete with Daniel Jones is not going to be a long-term answer or quarterback. No. He'll give you a little help this year. And like I said on previous shows, my concern right now is not maximizing the amount of wins I get in 2022. I don't care. I want to set myself for the future. And I think my best use of my money is to invest to help Daniel and so you can find out everything you need to know about him then you make your decisions next year and you go because I don't think whoever you bring in in that competition is going to be a long-term answer anyway so I'd rather use those resources elsewhere let me ask you a question yeah so I by the way I I don't think I don't think that this team can afford and, and Lance and I did we did it in we talked about this during the season we talked remember? about during the season yeah, so right yeah I don't think they can afford first of all the player that we're talking about, I don't think they can afford him. He's going to, I think he's going to get some money somewhere else. Right. The second thing is, is that if you are going to invest in the way that you're saying, aren't you safer doing it that way? Because what happens if all of a sudden Daniel Jones, isn't your guy. Now you've invested in capital around him, whoever the next guy is. Correct. Which is why so, I like which my makes a little better. bit of sense. Right. Yeah, correct. So I, I don't believe that number one, the way that the giants are structured right now, salary cap wise that they can afford someone to come in and compete i agree with you correct okay so we're on the same page i'm a totally same page with you now however they got to find somebody (laughs) you know sure so where is that lower and we've talked about those names but that somebody can make one or two million a year they're not gonna but that other that other somebody you know is going to be just a guy that's going to come in here and compete Okay, they're going to tell him you have a chance. Yeah, but someone you're paying a million a year is not going to be someone realistically that's going to no, be. No, I don't Daniel think they're going. I think the that they're going to have to find somebody point. at like three, three and a half, four million to come in here. And play. Okay, so yeah, um, but I really believe that in any situation, and I, I know that Paul Dude, didn't agree I, I, with this the other and day. And by the way, I, I don't want to put you on the spot. Can you just give me an example of, of the, somebody uh, of a yeah, just the type of quarterback Jacoby you're Brissett. talking about? Okay. Okay. I think Jacoby will four. probably cost you around four or five. Okay. Something and, like that. Marcus Mariota, probably three and a half, four. Ooh, Mariota's going to be closer to eight or nine, I think. Mariota got less last year, but it's he was, possible. He was, was, that's yeah. the only reason I said that, because I know he wasn't, wasn't Mariota a Mariota around six or seven last year? Lance? I don't know if he was that high. I thought he was about three and a half. Yeah. I could be it was, mistaken. It was, I'll have to it check was it exceptionally yeah. low compared to think... what you're thinking. I, I, that's why I said All that. All right, I'll have to take a look at that But again. just okay. someone just someone like that. You know, Andy Dalton is not a guy that's going to pl- come in here for $4 million. I mean, he's not going to do that. So there's slim pickings when it goes that way. Well, Mariota signed. I didn't mean to cut you off, that's Jeff. Okay. He signed a two-year $17.6 million contract, but I believe that the money was heavy in year one oh, compared okay. to Maybe year that's two. What it was then. So that's why I don't think he made as much last year compared to the first year of the contract. No, you're right. Last Last year, he signed a one-year, $3.5 million contract. You're absolutely yeah. right, Lance. Yep, okay. you're right. So Got the it. money was lopsided towards 2020. Yeah. Go ahead, why, Jeff. I'm sorry. That, yeah. That's okay. That's why I said – because we we went over this uh, during the season last year, and I remember Marcus Mariota being one of those guys where I was a little bit taken back, like, well, $3.5 million. That's, that's I mean, the guy can play football. He's been a starter in the league. You know, he's by far better than the two that they had here last year. 
And if something happened, and by the way, the history of Daniel Jones is, is, is what it is. I'm not telling you something you don't know. The, the, the fact is that most likely he will probably miss some games because of just his history. I'm not wishing that on anybody. I'm just saying we're going from the history part of it. You're going to have some somebody that come in like a Marcus Mariota or a Jacoby Brissett who can win you legitimately win you a football game. I don't know about the guys last year. But that's what was last year. So I think that to your point, John. So you're that, looking for a better backup, not necessarily someone that can compete for a starting spot. I, I believe that it's Daniel Jones' job. We know that. But I th- still think that we have to be we got to have some competition in there. You see, because I don't think Daniel needs to be pushed, Jeff. I, I don't think he's a no. type of personality where you like you need to push him for him to get better. I, I just don't see him as that type of guy. But I, I, this is where this is where Paul was saying that you know you don't need to bring somebody in here and compete with him because it's exactly what you're saying. I don't know if that's you know if he is a guy that needs to be pushed to compete. Mm-hmm. But you do want to have somebody there that is that can compete in camp and and go side by side with him. That they have confidence that if he goes out of the lineup for two weeks or six weeks, that you have a, a player of that magnitude that can take over and win some games. Fair enough. See, I'm not that concerned with with winning games this year. That's why that's not a concern for me. But here's the thing. I understand your your premise there, but you have to have – I don't see this new organization, if you will, the guys coming in here saying that we're not going to go out on the field and compete, even though we may be – No, but you're competing, but you're, but you're bringing a backup. I, I, I get it. I get it. But you don't want to go out there and look so bad because you have a guy that's never taken a – like, for instance, Davis Webb. Okay, are you going to go with Davis Webb, who's never taken an NFL snap in the game? No, I mean, but I think you can bring in a veteran that's taken some snaps and games in the league and, and not spend 4 or $5 million. Well, I think, like, to me, Tyrod Taylor would be my okay. guy that I'd take that guy. I think that's a great name. Okay. I just don't think, though, John, he's going to get you there at three to four. I think he may have to spend five. He made $5 million yep. last year. So I think Tyrod, especially, I mean, we're talking about a guy with a wealth of experience, a guy who was a starter for the Buffalo Bills, who actually was there and mm-hmm. then parted ways with Buffalo just as Joe Shane and Brandon Bean came in. So I'm not saying there's a big crossover, but there is some familiarity there. To me, he also is a good fit because he's got the mobility factor where I think he could run things that Daniel Jones would run. So that's why, to me, Tyrod Taylor's appealing. I'm with you. I don't think you need to bring in somebody to compete with Daniel Jones, but I'm with Jeff. I think there needs to be an upgrade at the backup quarterback position to take okay. the offense to a respectable level that you could go out there, you can move the ball up and down the field, you can put points on the board, and you can run your offense. Mm-hmm. That was nowhere to be found last year when Daniel got hurt. And that's what I was trying to say. That, to me, is a big priority and a big goal. I'm with you, John. I get it. Yeah, you have to have expectations in check. When your starting quarterback goes down, most teams will tell you that you're not going to be able to put up the same amount of points. Your offense could take a hit. Some teams are the exceptions to that. But the Giants were at the point where you didn't even have respectability out there on offense. Mm -hmm. I think you need to get there. And I don't think... That the new regime, even though they may come to the realization, hey, this is not an easy situation, even with Daniel Jones at quarterback, I don't think they want to necessarily duplicate what happened <laughs> on offense in the last six games of the right. season. No, yeah. look, and, 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 I, and I agree with that. I just think you can find that at a lower number okay. than a number that could be a starting guard for me this year. Well, the bigger priority yeah. is the offensive line. There's no doubt no, about no that. Question. I just. Nah. I That's don't where know. you want to go, not the quarterback. I just don't know, Correct. John. It's all about if, allocation of resources for me. You know what I mean? for the buck. Right. Yeah. Like, like, like if I had all the money in the world, all right, cool. Tyrod Taylor, four million, five million. Here we go. Let's <laughs> rock and roll. But I don't have that luxury right now, you know? Oh, yeah. I have to literally max I, I have to get that production per dollar as high as I possibly right. can. And the last thing I want to do is spend five million dollars of annual salary on a guy where if everything goes right, I don't want that guy to ever play. Yeah. Like if 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 Everything goes right. Daniel Jones is good for 17 games, and that dude never sees the field. So I don't want to have money invested in a guy that, in my ideal scenario, never plays. It's hard because you gotta, you're going to have to draw the line in the sand somewhere. And so I, it, it, I think that either and, and by, way— By the way, you guys know this is my opinion generally on backup quarterbacks. Yeah. We've had this debate before, so I'm just <laughs> kind of being consistent. Well, yeah. the only thing that I, that, I, that I throw caution to win is that even though— in your mind, John, you're like, we're, we're, this is a rebuild and we're not worried, concerned about winning games. I, I just feel like you have to be you have to be competitive on the field and putting a backup quarterback that really doesn't have a lot of experience is basically to me saying that you're quitting on what you're doing. I mean, I want to have a quarterback that I know that can win me some football games. Yeah, all right, so bring in Joe Flacco for one and a half million dollars. Fine. I'll, I'll take Joe Flacco at one and a half million. Yeah, fine. Go get him. See, the the problem is, though, <laughs> Flacco, to me, is a completely different quarterback from Daniel Jones, John. 
So you're going to have to change what you run on offense. It's similar to what happened with Glennon I and Fromm move, to a certain but, degree. I mean, he's a statue. No, he's, he's a so, statue. I know you know, you, you know, my point is if, <laughs> if you're going to bring in – well, here, listen, John, you and I differentiate from the standpoint. I value the backup quarterback more. I think it's one of the most overlooked positions in the NFL, and I think you have to prioritize that position when your quarterback, who's the starter, is not durable. No, and I to agree. Me, that's, Daniel that's all Jones, John, he fits that bill right now. If you have – For example, if you're talking about you had Russell Wilson, who was the exception last year when he got hurt. If you're telling me he pretty much plays 16 games every single year, okay, maybe I'm not going crazy. Mm -hmm. But when you have a guy that's missed at least two starts every single year, I'm not rolling the dice year four that everything's all of a sudden going to click now. Yeah, see, see, Lance, for me, I agree with your premise. But to me, that's more important if you're a good team, right? And and you think you're a playoff (laughs) team. And look— if you're the Chiefs, right, and you're afraid that Patrick Mahomes oh, is going to get yeah, hurt, I, I know. Like, and you want to stay afloat for four sure. or five games, you, you, know, get, you have to ju- win some of those games. Just go two and three because the AFC West is tough and you want to try to win that division, then, yeah, I agree. I just don't think the Giants are to the point in their roster-building process where that's going to be a priority for me now. I tell you what, this is, this is going to be a good one for the board for us. We're gonna, we, I think we all should take a couple names, write them down, Put them on the board, and then we'll see who this, the Giants sign here soon. All right. So, okay. So, I want everybody to think about it. and then Two the, names. And at, at the end of the show, let's okay. have each of us put two names on the paper, and we'll see where we're at. All right. We can one think o- about it. One other thing that I just wanted to throw out, and maybe this is where, John, it falls onto what you're talking about. If you can sell a veteran quarterback the fact that, hey, come in, you're the backup. But remember, Daniel hasn't been fully healthy, and maybe he's willing to take a little less money because perhaps, and once again, I'm not wishing Daniel Jones to get hurt, but maybe he looks at it as there's a chance I could get on the field this season because Daniel hasn't been out there for every single game. So maybe you get the guy to come down from $5 million to four, three and a half. I just, the names we're throwing out, all the names, and we'll give you our answers at the end, but I think all the guys that we were naming, to me, they're all going to want that 4 to $5 million barometer well, yeah, in order I, to come. Yeah, and I think, too, Lance, guys that are, you know, really want to try to start in the league still, they're going to want a, a situation where there's a really good chance for them to start. And, sure, you know, and there's yeah. a real chance to compete, too. So I think, you know, but this is not a one-way street. The players have to want to come here, too, which is, you know, part of it also. 100%. But I'm just wondering, does the Giants' backup quarterback position, I guess this is what I'm throwing out, guys, right. is it more appealing than other backup quarterback positions because of perhaps the increased chance of getting on the field given the lack of durability by the starter? So, for example, like if you were contemplating going to Seattle, now, once again, Geno Smith got opportunities last year because Russ had the finger injury. Mm-hmm. But you're probably going in, or when you were backing up Eli Manning, right? When David Carr was here and all these other guys, they probably were saying to themselves, the chances of me getting on the field are extremely slim. Yeah, that's but, correct. you know, hey, I'm going to get a good salary. I'll have stability. It'll be a good quarterback room. I don't know. Maybe that was the selling point. I think there's other quarterbacks that say, hey, let me try to navigate. Where's the best chance I'm going to get on the field? I don't know. Maybe the Giants are appealing from that standpoint. Yeah, could be. 201-939-4513. So we'll put our thinking caps on. We'll each give a couple names at the end of the show. Good, very, very good idea, Jeff. All right. And we'll see where we think the Giants um, end up here. All right, let's go to the phones. 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. We'll take your calls the rest of the way here. And just a reminder, folks, in terms of the schedule coming up, we're back tomorrow at noon on Friday. I believe that is just Jeff and I, if I'm not mistaken. And then the negotiating window opens up Monday at noon when we love have it. our next show. We so love that. So that'll be fun. And then the league year begins at 4 p.m. on Wednesday. And that's when teams have to be under the salary cap. So the Giants will have to have all their cost-cutting moves done by then to be cap-compliant. And to make any moves in, so you're saying that the tampering period starts, the legal tampering period. Yeah, that's yes, correct. Yeah, yeah, it's it's called the negotiation window, Jeff. Yeah, it's called tampering. No one promotes tampering around here. <laughs> Okay, whatever. Yes, but yeah. when all the deals are released at Wednesday, when the clock hits 4 p.m. <laughs> Eastern, you know yeah. that everything there was, was legit. tampered. With. Yes, yeah. Yeah. They're, they're just negotiating, Lance. They're no, just that's all they're doing. Correct. Yeah. Giant fans secure season tickets for 2022 today for just 100 bucks. Limited seats available. Speak with the Giants ticket representative now and become a season ticket member by calling 888-NYG-1925. Bob and Parsippany has been holding the longest. He's up next. Bob, what's up? Hi, Bob. Hi. Uh, good afternoon, everybody. Uh, first, uh, first thing I'd like to do is uh, thank you all. Thank you. And I want to add my name to the list of those thanking you for your 
uh, draft coverage at the Combine. Thank you. And also on, on all the BBK shows that will be leading up to the draft. We do our best. And if No, you, you do. <laughs> and, uh, if I may, I would also like to make a request that at some point you interview Sean O'Hara and David Deal to get their thoughts on the O-line prospect. We always do a Giants huddle with Deal and O'Hara, uh, usually a couple weeks before the draft. So, yes, we will have that again this year. No question. Okay, great, great. Um, next, at the Combine, John, you repeated your belief that uh, these days there's very little difference between the left and the right tackles. Yep. Because there's so many good edge rushers coming from both sides. And frankly, more coming over the right tackle now than the left, to be quite honest with you. Okay. Well, and your guest that day, Jan- Daniel Jeremiah, he, he agreed with you, but yep. um, I-, I would like to respectfully disagree with the both of you. Why is that? Uh, that is because with regard to play on the field, the left tackle is always on an island. On the right side, if the, if the tight end stays in the block then the right tackle is covered on the inside and the outside much more like an interior lineman. Yeah, but yeah, but Bob, you can you choose you, you can side. choose to put that yeah. tight end wherever you want. Why do you Yeah, but that's why do you not have to line up happens. No, but you that's but, not usually what happens. Well, I, I don't care what usually happens, but you can literally put your tight end on either side or, of the formation. Well, how about What's put the difference? Both of them. But one on one. You can yeah. have both tight ends. If you're on 12 personnel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and uh, even when he does go out for a pass, he, he often chips the uh, you know, the edge rusher on on the way out. Right. No, I agree with you, but my point is that if your left tackle is no good, just put him on the left side. Yeah, I just don't see that. In in in, in reality, I, I just don't see that when I watch games. Well, Bob, let me ask you this. What did you think of the right side of the Giants' offensive line this season? The right side? It yeah. was horrendous. Okay. It, it was so, horrendous. so you had Andrew Thomas on the left, and he couldn't solve the right. So did the Giants, Did they? were they able to cover up the right side of the offensive line this year? That's a great point. You just said that the value is not equivalent. So I'm asking, you just said it was horrendous play on the right side. We had Andrew Thomas on the left. Granted, he missed some time. But even in the games when Andrew Thomas was in, he didn't do anything to help the right side. That's it. That's true. So what are you going to do to improve the right side? If if Matt Pert was on the left side, things would be even worse. Okay, but that anyway. still doesn't help the right side, though. <laughs> You're just playing musical chairs. The point, my point right. is, the right side, I'm with John and Daniel Jeremiah. I think the right side yeah. is just as critical because here's the basis of our point. You cannot hide offensive linemen, Bob. You could take 17 running backs and put them next to the right tackle. <laughs> Great pass rushers will win no matter what because good defensive coordinators will scheme appropriately. Yeah, and by the way, eventually when you get to a third and long, you can't keep extra guys in the block because you need to get them out into routes to try to convert your third downs. Eventually, you're going to have to line up and block one-on-one on certain plays. You just have to. Okay, next reason is, um, you know, if there's a pass protection breakdown on the right side, it's not as dangerous as the blind side, because the quarterback, he can see what's coming, and he can sidestep danger more easily. Okay, I think that's fair. Okay. I think that's minor, though, yes. Yeah, next one. The perception of left tackle versus right tackle by NFL GMs and coaches also tells you that one side is more valuable than the other. See, you just used the dangerous word there, Bob. Perception. That's your well, perception. Well, I'm, I'm gonna, all right, let me let me go. Yep. Go uh, the GM the GMs pay left tackles significantly more money than right tackles, well, and that, they do that for for a reason. I think that's and just it, because they usually put the better player at left tackle. You know what I mean? Well, then why would they do that if it's not a more valuable pl- uh, position? And as Jeff Fiegels would say. Follow the money. Well, yeah, but I think, like, like you I'll said, it, the money. it might be <laughs> like, look, if you want to say it's like two percent more valuable or three percent more valuable because of the blind side, okay, I'll buy that. But guess what? I've seen a bunch of quarterbacks not notice a guy rushing off the right tackle when the right tackle gets beat too, and they get obliterated. I can show you a bunch of Daniel Jones sacks coming off the right side where he thought it was blocked up. He's looking down the field and he still gets plastered as though it. Mm-hmm. I, as though it's a blindside hit. You know what I mean? I think that, you know, yeah. when you go back, when you go back a few years, the left tackle certainly was the the blind side. It was the, the your best your best uh, rusher usually was on that left tackle, right? Yeah, and I think defenses have adjusted That's to That's what Jeff. I'm saying. Right, so ahead, now, they're, now they're moving them around. So, yes. so as the left tackle is just, it, the importance is now shifted over a little bit to the right side too because 
hey, these guys are so good. I'll put you. Listen, if your left guy is better than your right guy, then I'm going to put my best guy on the right side. And I think that's what we're seeing, that's right? That's what we're seeing. A exactly. lot of the best pass rushers now over the right tackle. So you want to have two good tackles. Because they believe the left tackle is so the better player. I think they're, they're getting closer and I guess is importance, if you will. They're both important. And, and, I, and I, Bob, the point that we were making, too, is that maybe importance is, is not the right way to put it. I don't think there's a different, um, a different um, blueprint for the two positions now. You know, back in the day, it was, all right, your left tackle is your athletic pass protector. Your right tackle is more your bigger, stronger. Protected by a tight you know, end run-blocking, powerful guy. I don't think because of the way defenses now play, where the right end and left end are kind of inter... The same way right ends and left ends on defense used to be different. The left end was more your stronger, bigger guy. The right end was more your bendy edge rusher. You know, I don't see that differentiation on defense anymore between right end and left end, which is why I don't see a difference in the blueprint of what makes a good right tackle versus what makes a good left tackle anymore. They both have to be athletic pass protectors. They're becoming because, equivalent. Because both guys are going to be going up against super athletic pass right. rushers. So I think that's more the point we are trying to make in that your right tackle now has to be just as athletic and just as good of a pass protector as your left tackle because the type of player they're going against is just a good and, very, and pretty much identical. Sure. You, you know what I, I mean? Got, I got I got one more I got one more reason for you. Sure. Okay. Uh, the last reason, if when a left tackle fails at his position, where do they move him? Right tackle. On the other hand, if a left a left tackle can't handle the job, where do they move him to the interior? To an interior position, never to the left tackle. I don't I mean, think we're general. I don't think we've seen failed left tackles move to the right side nearly as much, Bob. I think mostly they get moved inside at this point. Eric Flowers, yeah, like a left guard or something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, because that's also a footwork issue too that you're bringing up, Bob. It's not just a matter of the struggles. It's a matter of you can't just all of a sudden flip a guy to right. He's got to be comfortable because it's now the complete opposite in terms of the footwork. So you know, normally you want to give a guy time to get adjusted. So, Bob, I, I agree with your general premise. Is the left tackle slightly more important than the right tackle just slightly. because it's the, the blind side? Sure. But I don't think that reduces the importance of the right tackle because of how many of the best rushers in football are being lined up on that side of the field. I mean, I can go through the teams with you, and I think you're looking at 75% of the teams line up the best pass rusher over the right tackle now, not the left tackle. Well, so if, also, right, go ahead, Lance, yeah, I'm no, sorry. Go, no, I was just going to say, I mean, most teams, even if you look within the NFC East— most of the teams the Giants have to play have two really good pass rushers sure. who they can line up. I mean, Dallas, for example, has Demarcus Lawrence and Micah Parsons. What are you going to do? You're just going to focus Gregor on Lawrence and Randy, and Randy Gregory, Gregory too. Mm-hmm. You know, but the Eagles, think about all their pass rushers up front. And they got guys on the interior. I just I don't understand the mindset of hiding offensive linemen just because, you know, they don't play on the left side. And I'm bringing up the salaries, guys. Ryan Ramchek is making $96 million in terms of his total contract. Right then you look at... David Bakhtiari, $92 million in terms of his total contract. He's a left tackle. There really isn't that big of a disparity. And even if you go average annual salary, the highest right tackle is Ryan Ramchak at just over $19 million. So that would be equivalent to Ronnie Stanley, who's making $19.7 million. That's the fourth highest paid left tackle in the NFL. Mm-hmm. The numbers show that there's really not that big of they're a drop-off get, between what teams, yeah. correct, yeah. are yeah. paying left and right. Yep. Yep. And, that's just, and the that's franchise just, tag, by the way, thank doesn't you, have any Appreciate differentiation. On top of that, that's just, guys, that's just let's the not way forget. The whole, the whole league has just it's morphed into the importance of each side. It's, it's there. You have to and by the way, protect. remember this. There's, there's interior linemen that can actually go out. Leonard Williams plays a little outside sometimes. He goes and brushes the passer. He's so just is a, Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald so goes just, out there. It's yeah. just today's game, you got to have two. You know, before your left tackle was such an important piece. Now it's got you got guys all over the place, well, and that's because. And again, I think the reason, and I, I'm I'm with Lance. I don't think we've seen the complete shift yet. Because not look, yet. I think generally speaking, if you look at the quality of left tackles in the league, they're generally better play than right tackles. Bob sure. is right about that. Yeah, no question. And that's fair. Like if you have a elite tackle, you want to put him at left tackle. That's where you want to put him 100%. because it's the blind side. Yeah. But that doesn't mean the right tackle isn't also essential. Because that left tackle can block it up great. If the right tackle doesn't, it doesn't really matter that your left tackle is great 
Because your quarterback's getting killed from the other side of yeah, the field. because they're moving their best rusher to the gutter. Right, I mean, look, Demarcus Lawrence is on that side. Brandon Graham is on that side. Montez Sweat is on that side. Khalil Mack is on that side. Von Miller is often lined up on that side. Just go down the list. T.J. Watt lines up on that side of the Everywhere. field all the time. Yeah, yeah, so, I mean, just go down the list. Yeah, yeah it's all matchups, right? Yep, 100%. And Lance is 1,000% right. You cannot hide a tackle like this is not the time where you can get this big lumbering powerful right tackle and say oh he you know pass protection on that side doesn't matter that much we mm. want to be able to run block no, on that side no, 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 no. and yeah if you want to help you can line the tight end up wherever you want yeah. i mean there's nothing in the rule book that says you have to line up your tight end over your right tackle you know they they swap and you know this jeff they swap plays all, all the place. time yeah i mean you can line them up behind them if you want you have to be next to them yeah, you, you know be a fullback <laughs> if, if you have a play that's designed where your trip's right you know, but you're playing a team where it's a bad matchup, just go trips left. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of where, what hash mark you're lined up on. That's the only thing that changes. 100%. That. It doesn't make a difference, and you move the tight end. I, I think that, I don't know what the percentage would be, what you guys could put on it. You know, how is it 75% now that, you know, the left tackle is better, but that 25%, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's well, not think, 50-50. No, yet. I think on most teams, the left tackle is better than the right. It's probably the large majority of teams, but that doesn't mean that the right tackle isn't just as important. Right. And by the way, if you can if you can get a good right and a left tackle, God bless you. You know, I mean, but that's you know, listen, the Giants are going to be looking for a right tackle. I mean, so we'll see what happens there. But um, let's put it this way: you can't go wrong having a good right and a left tackle. Period. Right. Yeah. So well, I think if you look at most teams that made the playoffs this year, they usually they, they have all you know, have some strength. I mean, the Bengals may be the exception, but remember, the Bengals had Riley Reef. Unfortunately, you know, he wasn't fully healthy, That's correct? Right. And then Jonah Williams. So if the Bengals are fully healthy, you like your two options, right, mm-hmm. on both sides. When you take those options away, clearly you get what we saw during the course of the postseason. Right. But you know, even the San Francisco 49ers, who had Trent Williams at left tackle, they got Mike McClinchy at right tackle, and they drafted him with a first round pick. <laughs> so you know, I mean, you look. Look at the evidence. You look at the teams. I would love to talk to a general manager, and he tells me, yeah, we felt very good about the left side, but we grabbed Joe Schmo off the street, and we plugged him in on the right side and said, hey, good luck to our quarterback. Let's see if he survives the entire yeah, season. Yeah, I, I, I think we're talking differentiations of, um, of magnitude, right? Where, yeah, the left tackle might be a little bit more important still, but it's just like a, it's like a little bit. It's a little bit just because of the whole blind side. And what happens if you're lefty quarterback, by the way? <laughs> then it prioritizes then it, the opposite then side. Then it swaps. Correct. So, exactly. Exactly. 201-939-4513. 201-939. Good, good call, Bob. Good conversation, though. I like that. Let's go to um, OG in D.C. Is this Steve calling himself the OG, or is this a different OG? OG, going once. OG in D.C. OG going twice. Very few words. The original gangster is not hanging out on the phone for us. All right. OG, call back. We'll get you back up. Uh, Let's go to uh, Greg in Atlanta. He's up next on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Hey, Greg. Hey, guys. How you doing? How you doing? What's up, man? Not much, not much. I'm calling for a couple of reasons. Um, One, I heard the podcast yesterday. And just respectfully, I like, you know, all you guys. And I don't want trying to cause a ruckus or anything uh but i like ruckus that's okay (laughs) but you're going to anyways go ahead (laughs) i totally agree with what lance was saying about um the quarterback from seattle russell wilson and paul was saying that he's washed up and i'm sitting here like washed up wait did he say washed up oh he's he got he said three guys three scouts told him that he was washed up <laughs> no, his best days are behind him. Was the term like, washed wow. up actually used, Lance? Did he say washed up? No, I, I believe that so. term was so. utilized. I mean, don't hold me Ooh, to it. You'd have to go wrong. back and listen. There was a lot of other See, things now, circulating in my mind yesterday <laughs> while I was listening. I, I think so, I think yeah. you can make an argument that maybe he isn't quite as good He's as on he the back was nine. three years ago. But obviously, and, and we and we had this conversation when we talked about the elite, about the quarterback tiers, sure. right? I think I had him as like the fifth or sixth quarterback in football, and he's you know, it's still it's, pretty darn good. When he's played the last two years, his numbers have, have still been very, very strong. I would take Russell Wilson with a Walker as assistants over some of the quarterbacks in the no NFL. Question. <laughs> okay. yes, I, yes. Yes. No question. No question. So I totally agree with Lance on that, and I, and um and it's just when you look at it, I'm like, wow, you know, you got. Tom Brady's still performing at a high level, and you still got Aaron Rodgers been in the league a long time. He's performing at a high level. So what's the knock that that Paulie is seeing on uh, Russell Wilson? I just quite don't get that. Now, I do think Um, just generally about Wilson, Greg, I will say I think he's a little bit dependent on the pass over the top. 
I think he could be a little bit better in like those intermediate areas and things like that. When he doesn't get that deep ball going, I think, you know, sometimes maybe the consistency with, with, with that intermediate passing game isn't what you want. He'll sometimes hold the ball a little bit too long and not get it out fast enough, which, again, he had a bad offensive line in Seattle. I mean, it was really, just, really, yeah. really, really, really bad. But I think sometimes he did hold it a little bit too long and kind of didn't help the situation a little bit. So I do think there are some things yeah. you can have, like, legitimate. He could be a little bit better at this, a little bit better at that. But the idea that he's still not a top-ten NFL quarterback is, is, is kind of bonkos. No. It's kind of bizarre. But yeah, but yeah, and the last thing I want to say, because I know we have other callers, is Dave, I, last time I called in, I was trying to um, give compliments to a guy that I think that the Giants or any other NFL team, but I really want him to land on the Giants because I think they don't understand what they'll be getting in this guy is a guy named Darius Rush. And when I hung up, um, Paul was like, uh, I wanted to, because I was listening at the same time, he was like, well, I wanted to ask him what was the relation, uh, were we related or anything? No, we're not related. But I'm from the Bronx, New York. I presently live in Atlanta, but I grew up in South Carolina, so I watch a lot of South Carolina high school and college football. And um, this guy has been performing pretty good in high school. Took a setback, but the thing is, on that Gamecock team, there was a Jason, J.C. Horn's son. That, that Horn guy played cornerback. And I think Deion Sanders' son was there for a little while at the Gamecock play. So he was overshadowed by bigger names, but I think you know he's going to be a great corner because I know his work ethic is tremendous. I watched him. No, I don't think That's he was. I, was I don't think to. he was invited to the combine, right? As far as I could tell. Oh, we lost him. Pierce. I was trying to ask him a question. Well, he was referring to Joe Horn's son, who is J.C. Horn. Yeah, correct. I think that's what he mentioned. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I'm assuming he's coming out this year, Darius Rush? Is he yeah, Darius Rush. I mean, he was prospect? a redshirt junior this past season because obviously he's dealt with some injuries and he had shoulder surgery last spring, but he still wound up playing in all 13 games and he started 12 at the cornerback position for South yeah, Carolina. Yeah, he, he, uh, he, he was not at the combine, at least not working out as far as I could tell. So I got to admit, I really don't know a whole lot about him. So I, I don't really have a comment. I mean, I'm looking at his numbers just in terms of his production. I mean, nothing is outstanding in terms of jumping off the page. As far as him not getting an opportunity, I think that was the caller's main point, that other guys were playing ahead of him. But listen, you see that at Alabama, right, guys? You see that at the other bigger programs. you got to wait till these kids you know, get out of here, get drafted, and so you can one step year. up. Yeah. Exactly, and sometimes you only have one year to shine. Take, for example, Chris Olave. One of the top wide receivers yeah, in this year's class. North I mean, State. think about yeah. all the guys, right? He was playing behind. Yeah. And he actually still found a way to get on the field his freshman year. Well, think about the quarterbacks. Happen. Sure. Yeah, the quarterbacks. Well, Mark uh, Willis had yeah. to leave Auburn, right, yeah. to get an opportunity at Liberty. Yeah, so, I mean, it's just it's just a matter of, you know, and if, you, if you're going to go to the, any of those big schools, you're, you're going to be up against that unless you are just a – you know, a guy that can beat everyone, everyone of them out. But if that's the case, you're going to be there for three years anyways. So, I mean, it's a tough situation if you're going to go to the big schools. You're going to sit back and have to wait your turn. It's the tough. nature of the beast. Yeah. yeah. yeah and it is. looks like he was a wide receiver, by the way, that then moved over to cornerback from what I'm looking at. Originally, he came to South Carolina as a wideout, and then he made the transition to cornerback. I mean, we've seen that a lot. Trayvon Diggs, for example, is one of the examples that I could give at Alabama when he made the transition as well early in his career. 201-939-4513. Thanks for the call, man. Uh, all right, let's go to Charlie in Portland, man. I was hoping he would get his call out earlier in the week so I don't have to deal with him, but I guess I was mistaken. <laughs> no, Hello, Charlie. I'm waiting for you, I'm oh, waiting for you John. Terrific. <laughs> hey, look. We know you didn't uh, wait for Lance. He would have hung up on you already. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't even take the call. Jeff, we wouldn't even got no, we didn't even talk to him. We wouldn't have taken the call, period. You know, so. I, I don't think I've said this on the show yet, but next week I'm, I'm getting my wisdom teeth all pulled, like, uh, like all of them. Oh, it's going to be a nightmare on, on Thursday and Friday. I am now officially at 1246 on Thursday. Thursday. Wish I was there. Go ahead, Charlie. How are you? <laughs> well, I don't know if they're called wisdom teeth for you, John. No, they might not anyway. be. You're right. They're just extra teeth. They're unwise teeth. Okay, yeah. that's what they are for. They're extra right. sarcasm hey, teeth. We'll call yes, them for me. Exactly. How about that? Yeah. What's up, Charlie? You're going to talk about the left and the right tackle now? Oh, we lost Charlie. Oh, we didn't wow. have on hold that the long. Phones cooperate today. Phones are really cooperate. Uh, Charlie, if you call back, I make sure I'll get you right back up, okay? We, but you don't have to. We we did not drop <laughs> you. Call right back, we'll, yeah. and we'll get you up. Neil in New York, he's up next. Neil, how are you, buddy? Hey, Charlie's gone, huh? Charlie hung up on us. That's fine. Wow. Mm -hmm. How That's... do you not hang up on him? Anyway, um, I got a question for you. Let's say 
we don't have we don't get the two really good guards, Aquano and Neal. Let's say we don't take a guard or a tackle or anything in the first round. What would you guys like to do with five and seven? No offensive linemen. I think, and again, this is not based on need, Neil, because I don't base draft based on Neil when you're picking five and seven. You're just picking the best possible mm-hmm. players. So we, uh, yeah, Lance, a lot of great players. Yes, exactly. Uh, Lance and I did a cover three. I think it was last week's cover three. No, I think it was this week's cover three. So it's on Giants.com. Go check, go check it out. And it was basically reactions from the combine, right? And I basically did my reaction of these are the guys that the Giants picks narrowed down to at five and seven. First of all, there were like ten guys on the list, which tells you how— fine. Well, it tells you how ridiculous this draft is, though, mm-hmm. when you're still having, like, at number five, you have ten guys in the mix. It's mm-hmm. going it's it's to be good. a thing no matter all what. over the place. But look, options. Yes. If you want, offensive line was obviously some of the guys in the mix, so I'll push those aside because you don't want to count those, Neil. Just based on the quality of the players in the draft at these positions, I think Kyle Hamilton at safety's uh, option. I don't think I would go there necessarily myself, but I think he's an option. I think Sauce Gardner. The cornerback from Cincinnati is a legitimate option just because he's that good of a player. And I think his um, profile fits what Wink Martindale wants out of a cornerback. And then I think you're looking at pass rushers. Mm -hmm. And there's two or three or maybe even four that you can consider to be in the mix of five and seven. You have Kayvon Thibodeau out of Oregon. You have Jermaine Johnson out of Florida State. This is in no particular order. You have Trevon Walker out of Georgia who blew up the combine. He was kind of overshadowed by Jordan Davis a little bit, but Trevon Walker was unbelievable. His movement skills and the drills even were great. And then if you want to th- think about George Carl Loftus out of Purdue, yeah, you who, got to. who did not run at the combine, but I thought his drill work was very Moved smooth. I really thought good. for a guy that size, even that hoop drill, I thought he actually showed some pretty good bend on that hoop drill. Mm-hmm. So I think you're looking at, if you're not going O-line, I think you're thinking it's secondary, and I think you're thinking a pass rusher. Uh, I mean... You can make an argument for a wide receiver at seven. A guy like Garrett Wilson will be worth the pick in terms of value. But I'm of the mind now, Neil, where unless you're getting a Jamar Chase-level player, a you know Julio Jones in his prime-level player, a Calvin Johnson in his prime-level player. We haven't heard player, about those guys this year. I'm not picking a wide receiver that early hmm. because they're going to be good wide receivers up and down the draft board the first two days of the no draft. Question. So that's where I would look, Neil. And I'd Jeff, Lance, I love to. If you guys have any other you no. know, guys you want to think about, no. but th- those are the guys that would, that would be in the mix for me at five and seven. Because if I look offensively, it's not going to be a quarterback. I'm not taking a wide receiver. Obviously, not a running back. No tight end. No tight end. So we now have to segue to the defense, and I figure where is the where is the value, and where is the uh, you know where is it? And and I, and I don't think there's a linebacker good enough to pick that early either. No. I just don't. No, not so I got to go D line and and at the corner in the safety position, and those are the guys that you mentioned. So yeah. I mean the. No, go ahead, Jeff. No, I'm, I'm done. No, I'm with no, I, I, The only other names I was going to throw out that John didn't list was David Ojabo from Michigan. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. That's okay. a good one. Yep. And yeah. then I know he obviously has injury that he's coming off of in terms of the Liz Frank injury, but Derek Stingley Jr. Yep. out of LSU. No, those are two, two so good names, Lance. Those are the other names. two guys that I'll throw out there. And yeah. again, the, and another pass rusher, another cornerback. That's right. Yeah, so. exactly. No, I stuck to your position. I'm with you there. It's no, just I, I would throw out those other names. No, honestly, I think I, I think Ojabo is a really good name. Stingley, I think, yes. I agree with the talent. I'm with you. I think that's a good name to be in there. And I think Ojabo, too, he's only had one year of production. He really has only played for one year, mm-hmm. which is kind of the worry with him. There's but his, rawness to him. Correct. Yeah. But his traits are excellent. And, he, if, had, and he was practiced last year. So. If I had to pick the position, I would go edge. For which one? Five, five. or seven? So, five. five? Okay. So, like, I, I love Trayvon Walker. I mean, I watch uh, every Georgia game. <laughs> and he, he just – forget the stats. When you need a play, he makes it. Like, he just like, oh – it's getting close or something. Here's Trayvon Walker. Not that that many games were close. You know, the funny thing, and, uh, I'm not sure, Neil, he's going to get out of the top three or four the way he performed in Indy. That, really? That's the thing. Yeah. A lot of people think he might be, a, the, might be the third or fourth pick taken, to be quite honest with you. Well, I mean, if, if he goes before us, then, then maybe one of those tackles are available. Uh, I think right now you're looking the, – the, the three guys, Neil, that I feel really good about being gone when the Giants pick – are Neil, Equanu, and Hutchinson. Who the fourth guy is okay. to me is still a little bit of a mystery. And let's say, mm-hmm. imagine, uh, fast forward to like day one of the draft is over and we have not addressed any offensive line needs. You know, who's, who's, who's the best guy we can get in the second round on the offensive line? 
I'll take your answer off the air. Thank you. Well, first of all, I hope all the Giant fans hydrated after their heavy drinking on Thursday night because I'm sure that's what's <laughs> if they don't pick an offensive lineman at five or seven. There's going to be a lot of unhappy folks out there. Who, who, who's on Big Blue the next day? <laughs> uh, that might be a deal where I put all four of us on so we can all kind of deflect that together yeah. as a team effort because yeah. – there is going to be, and by the way, it's well, not, it's, it's but, not, it's but, not impossible. No, by I was the just going to say, don't, no. don't be surprised if it happens, guys. No. Because when you look at the players that may drop to those positions defensively, you could get some seriously good football players on the defensive side of the ball. And this is something that Chris and I talked about on, on the huddle, Lance. If the Giants look at those, let's say Aquanu and Neil are gone. And the Giants have the next two tackles, as most people think, are Charles Cross or Trevor Penning. And some people like Bernard Raymond out of Central okay. Michigan, right? I do. But what happens if the Giants have those guys ranked as the 15th and 16th and 20th best players on their board? Which, by the way, is not impossible, given how uh, volatile this draft board is this year. They shouldn't pick one of those guys at 5 or 7 just because of a positional need if they think they're the 16th or 17th best players in the draft. So, Lance, there's a shot that they're going to get to the board. They're like, well, no, sorry. Like, we need an offensive tackle, but we just don't think these guys are good enough. Yeah, because there could be a distinct drop-off from yeah. those yeah. two guys you named versus their third guy. Yeah. yeah. So why settle for the third if maybe you can take somebody high in the second round? I mean, as far as the caller's question, I mean, I'm just throwing out a name, whether or not he's going to be there. I'm thinking, I don't know, Minnesota tackle Daniel Falale. Could that be somebody? Could be. That could perhaps be there when the Giants are ready to pick. Tyler Smith out of Tulsa is another okay. guy. There's another guy. No, he's very yeah. he's very raw. He had, I think, 16 penalties last year, 11 holds, I think, or something <laughs> like that. But he's big, he's physical, but he's there's a lot of projection there. Like, he might not be ready to move in and start year one. And I, then Bernard Ryman, the other guy from Central Michigan. Yeah, Lance, I'm telling you. I don't think but he's what I heard it. at the Combine, you he, think he, he's might, he might be, be a combine. top 25 pick. Uh, listen, he's got an unbelievable frame and an unbelievable presence. So. I liked him at the senior bowl. Yeah. Was so did I. Yeah, he was a little up yeah. and down, and I think there's, I think he's a little bit raw. But one thing I heard that I really liked that got me excited about him, and I forget who told this to me, at the combine. Maybe it was, um, maybe it was uh, one of the guys from Pro Football Focus because they work with him. You know, Paul Alexander, the former offensive line sure, coach, he worked for the Bengals. Yeah, correct. And he trains yeah. offensive linemen now coming out of the draft. Yep. His quote, and I think it was the Austin Gale of Pro Football Focus, was Bernard Raymond takes coaching better than any player I've taught in the last ten years. Mm. Right, so like if you're going to have a raw player who yeah. did not start playing football until high school, who started as a wide receiver and a tight end, I think no, he, was, no, he, was, he just started as a tight end, moved into the offensive tackle, and has easily went from like 260 to 300 bills without a problem and still moves that way, that's a guy you want to bet on sure. based on all that information. And that would be him in the second round. That's well, if he's that, there, yeah. If he's there, yeah. Sadly, <laughs> I, I think right now you're looking at a minimum of four offensive tackles in the first round. Ryman, a uh, five, sorry. Ryman, Penning, Cross, Neal, Equani. So let's talk about this. If and you, some people think Tyler Smith might go in the first round too, by the way. So let me ask you a what question. About, did we throw out Penning, by the way? I didn't mean to yeah, cut you yeah, off. Yeah, we, Penning, Penning okay, too, yep. we did. Okay. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So are you concerned that if they do go defense on those first two picks, are you going to be able to find a player that you want in that second round that's going to be a, a fill-in starter for you? At tackle, maybe not. At guard, I, at guard, I think you'll be okay. Okay. I think so you can how find are we going to address guard. the tackle position? Or maybe that position is addressed in free agency. Well, we'll find out soon. Yeah. Possible. You know. That, that is me looking at Jeff as though, yes, that's the problem. <laughs> because a good offensive tackle in free agency costs you a lot of money. going to cost you a lot yeah. of money. Yeah. So I think the Giants, what they need to do is the they need to look at their board, right? Because this is a holistic decision taking your whole offseason into consideration, right? And I think we'll know what the Giants think about the Charles Crosses, the Trevor Pennings, the Bernard Ryman's, and whether or not those guys might be worth the pick at five or seven based on what they do in free agency. Like, if they go out there and manage to find $8 million to go pay an offensive tackle... Or a that, guard. No, offensive tackle. That tells me... Oh, I see what you're saying. They're comfortable not taking one of those guys at five or seven. Okay, I see. But what if you're they saying. go out there and we still see this huge gaping hole at right tackle, like who the heck is even capable of playing we know that spot heading into the draft? Yeah, I think then we can start thinking. All right, well these guys aren't stupid. Five like they're planning ahead. Yeah, they're probably going to say, all right, we feel good about picking one of those tackles at five or seven, so they can be a plug or play guy. Because I think if you're waiting till the second round and you're counting on a plug and play guy. That's a problem. And I think it'll be, I think you're, you are 100% correct in the fact that 
I don't think that the Giants can afford a right tackle. And I think that they're going to – and I said that my one splash in free agency, if I had to pick, would be in on the offensive line at a center or a guard position. And you can get that in free agency for the amount of money that you're going to spend, which now tells me that they're going to go after one of those tackles in the first round at five or seven. So that's just kind of the way – and it, it, when you talk about it that way, it makes sense. It's kind of they're, – they're going to hint towards free agency first – and then we're going to have an idea after that. All right, let's go to Charlie in Portland, Maine. He'll wrap us up here. And Charlie, we got to get off exactly at one today. I have a Zoom I got to get on. So let's Zoom. Zoom. Okay. okay. Hey, no problem. Hey, uh, I did a space, and uh, a guy came on, and he, he knows an offensive line coach in, for Washington. And he said the, the dirtiest play, not the dirtiest, but the toughest player in the offensive line that he uh, was talking about was Green. And I think Green is an uh, offensive tackle. Okay. So Kenyon Green is an offensive is yeah. a guard from Texas A&M. He played oh, tackle in college, but he's – and watching him move at the combine, that dude's yeah. a guard. He ain't a tackle. Okay. All right. Meanwhile. All right. But he said he said he was nasty. He was the nastiest guy. So, But I, I want to just make a quick call on the quarterback. Look, um, Mitch, Mitch and, and, uh, and uh, you know, Joe have been – not Joe Shane, but uh, Dalbo, they've been – yeah, Brian, they've been giving love messages back and forth here. I mean, you know, I love you, and you're the best guy ever. And if you don't see that there's something going to happen between these two, (laughs) I don't know what you're looking at. They've already got a hotel room here. So I think you're going to see Mitch here, and I think they're going to get him for uh, a price and a lot of incentives. If he ends up being the starter and he, they're going to, you know, jump up his salary. Charlie, what happens if and, a team that doesn't have a starter says, Mitch, we'll give you $10 million to be our starter. You walk in the door, you have the job. Why would he go take a contract laden with incentives to go be a potential backup for the Giants? Because he won't be a backup. That's what I'm telling you. Look, he's going to compete with Jones, and we don't even know if Jones is going to – who knows? He's, he can't even have contact until August. So who knows where Jones is going to be? No, 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 no. He doesn't have to have contact until <laughs> August. Not that he can't have contact. There is July. no contact until, until late July. Right. Right. Well, okay. But, look, it isn't like Jones is in cement. He's in quicksand, basically. Yes, but, so, Charlie, that, mean, that's still going to cost you 8 to $10 million that you could use to fix the offensive line. Well, as you just said, then we draft the offensive linemen. Oh, you yeah, yeah. You want to start out. Andrew Thomas and four rookies. That, that's smart. No, no. They've already picked up a guy for what? A million and a half or something? Charlie, he has four NFL career starts. He's not a plug-and-play starter. He's a guy. He didn't play well last season, too. He was With on a IR. shoulder yeah, injury. Yeah, he was injured. He was injured last year. But, you know, there's more people out there. There's Feliciano that the Bills just let go. You know, I mean, there's a bunch of guys that they're probably going to bring in for, for little salaries. Look, we just like Jeff saying, you've got to have a – quarterback that can compete with Daniel Jones. You have to have that. Why? And they know that because Daniel Jones can't stay on the field for one thing and the other thing, he's mediocre. So you've got to bring somebody in. Have you watched Mitch Trubisky play football? Look, I haven't watched him for a while because he didn't play last year. No, but no, but Charlie, that's my point. When he's played, his performance is right in line with Daniel Jones's. Their performances are the same. He beat us a couple of times. If yeah, I but it's, it, don't use quarterback records. <laughs> okay, we won't use quarterback records. He played pretty well. I remember that he went down the field. Charlie, if you and, look and at their the numbers, their numbers are very, okay. very similar. That's my point. It's right, not like it's, but, a, it's an upgrade. Right. They might be similar, but they feel a bigger upside with this guy since he hasn't been injured all the time. That's all I'm saying. All right. Thank, Thank you, Charlie. You. I don't know if they can afford him, but that's good. That, That's the thing. It's all about price. Like, mm-hmm. if you're bringing a Mitch Trubisky and not paying a lot, okay, I'm cool. Great. Yeah, Great. it's got to be the right price. We, we, I was talking about that yesterday with Paul. Said the right. same thing. Two I mean, and a half that's million why. last year. I'll take him for two and a half oh, million. I, if you, I, I, something you know, tells me, yeah, that's yes, not going to happen. I would absolutely do that for sure. Well, that's our point. Yes. We would take him for that. Correct. But at 12 million? And again, no. my point to Charlie wasn't that Mitch Trubisky is a bad quarterback, but if you look at his career history, him and Daniel are very similar. There's nothing that stands out there. They're very similar. They're very similar. Anyway, yeah. guys, he's had his ups and downs. Yeah, absolutely. Guys, good stuff. Hold on. Who's your quarterbacks? Back of quarterbacks. Oh. Your two guys. Um, I'm going to go because I think he's at the very tail end, and he, I believe, still has a presence in New Jersey. I'm going to go Ryan Fitzpatrick for one. <laughs> okay. I'm going to go Fitzmagic. And I'm going to go the guy I went before. I'm going to go Joe Flacco. 
All right, I'm going to go with uh, Blaine Gabbert. Okay. Ooh, that's a good one. I just wasn't sure Tampa was going to let him go, but that's well, a good well, one. But if they he, let him go, no, I mean, he was. No, he, he was, is a free agent. He was. At, I have the free agents here. No, I know. I'm looking him too. Okay. He was actually right. one of the guys I thought about. I like okay. that one. Jim. I like and Blaine Gabbert. And here's a guy that nobody knows about, but I saw him play, and I was pretty impressed with him, even though he didn't play a lot. Yeah. He's a Tim Boyle. Okay. He's a Detroit. He's a UConn guy. Um. So <laughs> there, those are my two okay. guys. How about you, Lance? And by the well, way, those are those are done because I know we got to go. But those are done because of salary. No, and those are good names. I like them. Okay, Lance, what do you got? I'll go Tyrod Taylor and A.J. McCarron. Okay. And McCarron was a guy that I was actually considering, too. With yeah, because McCarron also, the age, yep. sure. not a lot of wear and tear, yeah. has it started a lot, so I think he may fit the bill. So, and by the way, some I, names. I, have actually, some names. I actually think your guys' names are more likely than mine, but those are the names that I like personally. So I'm being <laughs> gritty and selfish. That's all right. Here. We'll let you off. All right, good stuff, guys. We'll see you tomorrow noon for an episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live. We'll see you next time.